1: reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and events of the week that I covered also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week was being in New England South to watch the Patriots win over the Bucks on Thursday night. I was in the ESPN zone at Walt Disney World in Orlando, just down the road from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, And it was an electric atmosphere with tons, and I mean tons, of Patriot fans, New Englanders, packing the place, standing room only, and with a terrific energy. And it was a great game to watch. There was actually energy all week down in Orlando with, uh, again, Patriot fans just pouring in to the Orlando area, many of them going over to the game in Tampa on Thursday night. So it was a wonderful, wonderful week to be in Orlando in the shadow of Tampa and uh, all the excitement that was building for that game. And what a game it was, although it wasn't uh, the most aesthetically pleasing game. It was your classic gut check game for the Patriots. Which they, over the years in the Tom Brady era, have found ways to win, and they did it again Thursday night. Of course, it went down to the very last play, and uh, the Bucks and Jameis Winston had a shot to the end zone, and uh, incomplete. So it was uh, great reaction. Inside the ESPN zone, Uh, again, packed house, stayed to the end, and really, really a lot of fun. Next best thing to be in there, that's for sure. And as always on an NFL Sunday, uh, the day after, shall we say, with our show, great stuff, uh, the best of which was Aaron Rodgers doing it again, leading his team down the field with two minutes to go. Play of the drive, aside from the great touchdown pass to win it, was Aaron Rodgers using his legs. And uh, he's just amazing. And picking up, I think it was 18 yards and a first down, getting out of bounds. He is uh, just watching him on the field, uh, come on the field with two minutes or less in the game, losing. Uh, there's nothing like it. I talked, of course, uh, he and Tom Brady are on just a, simply a different level than anyone else. Talked about when Brady come on the field a couple weeks ago at Gillette, losing to the Texans with two minutes to go. And he took them down the field. And what can you say? These guys are money. Uh, there's just, uh, in my mind, nothing better in sports than watching either Brady or Rogers come on the field in the last two minutes of a game while losing, and just being as certain as certain can be that uh, that they're going to take their team down the field and win. Yesterday, Troy Aikman talked at length on the broadcast about uh, they were leaving him too much time. It almost seemed as if he was belaboring the point until what he was talking about is exactly what unfolded. Last night, the Chiefs... Uh, Showed again uh, why they're the only undefeated team. They just have all these weapons. Their offense is incredible. Their defense is solid, even without Eric Berry. And uh, and they're just putting on a show. I, of course, witnessed them in person at the opening night of the NFL season, the Patriots banner-raising night. And uh, they showed then what they were made of, and they continue to show that. Well, my bizarre story of the week was Big Ben Roethlisberger throwing five interceptions for the first time in his career, including two pick-sixes and a stunning loss to the Jaguars, which comes a mere two weeks after they lost to the Bears. So just don't know uh, what to make of the Steelers, that's for sure. And Big Ben's post-game press conference was fascinating where he said something to the effect of maybe I don't have it anymore uh, a fairly stunning revelation from someone like him uh, Mike Tomlin's post game was pretty good too and uh, certainly the Steelers definitely need to go back to the drawing board and my low light of the week was the injuries to Two superstars, two of the faces of the league in uh, OBJ and J.J. Watt. I was watching uh, the Giants game on Red Zone when Odell Beckham Jr. went down, and you knew immediately uh, it was something very, very serious, and that's exactly what it turned out to be, apparently a broken ankle. And he was in severe pain, highly emotional and seeing him i don't know if i've ever seen a cart get out to the field quicker than that one and jj watt literally has become a, a houston folk hero if not national for his work following the houston hurricane uh and his injury history is now stunning they put up a graphic last night and It looks like in the last two years, he's had five or six different injuries and or procedures. So, it was sad to see. He's highly emotional as well. Uh, So, definitely sad to see two of the uh, top players in the game uh, out, ostensibly, both of them for the season, one would assume, based on what we know now. Well, my NFL player engagement event of the week that I covered was uh, a couple weeks ago, the Jared Mayo, James White Mayo Bowl. highly Very unique in that uh, Jared Mayo, who has done this Mayo Bowl at the bowling alley uh, to benefit the Boston Medical Center for the last number of years, seven or eight years, uh, officially passed the torch to James White, the Super Bowl hero, who set records in the Super Bowl with uh, the most receptions ever, most points ever, and of course scored the winning touchdown to beat the Falcons in the amazing comeback last year for the Patriots. So uh, had a chance to talk to James, one-on-one, immensely likable guy. It was obvious immediately why Jared Mayo, former Patriots captain and pro bowler, would have picked James to... Uh, passed the torch to for his signature event. And uh, I'm sure it's going to go on as popular as it's always been. And it's one of the most popular sports stars events here in the Boston area for a worthy cause. Well, we're also into uh, the baseball playoffs. And as I speak, uh, just about a half an hour down the road from where I'm speaking right now, the Red Sox have just started their game four playoff game with the Houston Astros. Uh, it's raining where I'm standing. Uh, talking about rain throughout the afternoon, but they got it started. And uh, the Astros have already started with a double. So man on second for the Astros and the top of the first. And uh, yesterday the Sox survived. Uh, great game. Uh, Mookie Betts made a tremendous play out in right field to prevent a three-run homer. The Sox were down three to one, I believe, at the time. That goes in. Uh, that goes into the stands. Season's over, and uh, the Sox are are home. There's no game today. But then the offense finally got going, and they ended up winning ten to three. And the Yankees last night survived in a true nail biter, one to nothing. Great theater at the end with the Ralds Chapman uh, in the eighth and ninth, uh, protecting a one-run lead in Yankee Stadium. Again, great theater, but the best theater of all, of course, was the Cleveland Indians comeback win on Friday evening. They were down eight to three and got a grand slam. and it was just a uh, spectacular theater. I was able to watch the last couple innings. It went to, went 12, and just a tremendous, tremendous game, as was Saturday night, Bryce Harper's home run to wake the Nationals up after their uh, being basically asleep for the first game and half of the second game. And Bryce Harper, as superstars do, hit a Titanic home run. And then... Uh, Ryan Zimmerman followed with the winning home run, and that was just tremendous stuff to watch, and that series just got real interesting, uh, as most of them have been. Dodgers uh, looking like they're back to the form they were in midseason, so four games today, and it's great to have uh, baseball in the postseason, nothing like October baseball, that's for sure. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show.
1: The call in number is 1 888 346 9144, or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call in expert, AP Stedham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And AP, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Thank you, as always, for calling in. And uh, yet another great weekend of college football, to say the least upsets galore at the at the top of the pile and speaking of the top of the pile why don't we uh talk about you and uh the number one team in the nation as always it seems Alabama they uh of course played Texas A&M on Saturday and uh when to get your thoughts on that game
4: yeah John they went out to Texas A&M it was a big weekend because of a quite a strong connection between the two programs through the years. Coaches, coach Bryant was there at A&M and Gene Stongs was one of his players. And he came to Alabama and Dennis Franchione coached at Alabama, went back and John David Crow, the first Heisman trophy winner at Texas A&M and under coach Brian, he coached at Alabama. So they had a reunion of that 67 team. That beat Alabama in the Cotton Bowl, and uh, the person who intercepted the pass in the end zone—you might remember this name from the coaching ranks—Curly Hallman, who's from Northport, Alabama, right there across the bridge in Tuscaloosa. And they defeated uh, Alabama in six sixth eight. But so Coach Stallings had a heart attack recently, and he wanted to be at that game. And sure enough, that tough old bird was there. You know, he's a—he's a tough guy, and he—he he ended up being there for the game. And Alabama was really challenged, really challenged this weekend. They you know, played a, a very good. Ball game. Uh, Alabama had their first turnover of the year. That's five games. It took to the sixth game before they had a turnover. Miraculously, they've they've had fumbles in a couple of games, you know, throughout the year. But this is the first time that the other team ended up with the football. But uh, wow, Jalen, you know, pretty are, amazing. You know, yeah, that's, yeah, pretty amazing. You know, they had two games, two SEC games, 125 to three. But uh, Christian Kirk is one of the best players in the conference for Texas A&M. Wide receiver, triple threat can return the kickoffs, The punt returns, excellent receiver. Has always scored against Alabama, and sure enough, he did on on Saturday as well in an excellent catch in the corner of the end zone. So, Alabama escaped with the win. You know, the eight-point victory. Uh, you know, it's the first time they've really been challenged this year, I think, uh, by any team to make it close. So, Uh, You know, There's always room for improvement. Now Nick Saban can go to his players and say, look, we can improve here and here. They got a few passes deep on Alabama, but uh, they didn't run the ball too effectively. But the game ended up a close score of 27-19.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, So how was Coach Saban? Happy with the victory?
4: Yeah, he was happy. I think he's always happy with the victory. And I think when it's that tight score, then that leaves him... A, a, a platform that he can deliver to his players that, yeah, we won this ball game, but if we let this happen down the road to this particular team, we could uh, end up on the other side of the score. So, okay. he's always he's always happy to win and thrilled the way his players compete, And uh, but he, he can have that little bit of, uh, you know, soliloquy he can deliver to them at the end of the game in the locker room about, well, we, we came out on the, the right side of this ball game, but we were lacking in this area, and So that's the way he kind of likes things when it's close
1: like that. Sure, sure. And who does Alabama have coming up next?
4: Yeah, they have a homecoming game against Arkansas, John. They're a 30-point favorite. So, uh, you know, it's one of these type of things where every week Alabama, they're just trying to compete against themselves. And in the last five or six weeks, John, what has happened Alabama has has played sixteen freshmen. That's a, a phenomenal number. That's the most in the Nick Saban era. So they're when they get on the field, they're they're trying to play their best. And what's happened is the first team for the opponent is left on the field. So those snaps on film are against the top players from A and M and Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, and uh, so that that's a good thing for the depth of Alabama down the road.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, well, Arkansas, they're having their ups and downs, to put it mildly, so uh, sounds weird almost saying it, but the, they actually sound like a homecoming appointment of, uh, opponent <laughs> for the weekend. Something I never thought I'd say, because they're quality history. Right, yeah, Bill always
4: brings a team that's very physical, they want to try to run the football uh last year they gave alabama a very good game it ended up being i think it was 49 to 30 so they did score quite a few points against alabama right uh oh. you know so it, yeah it wasn't like they I Alabama mean, just ran all over them but this you know the score indicated it was you know that margin of i think mean, it was 19 but it, it was close for a while and their quarterback Uh, He's coming back this year. He made some outstanding throws, I noticed, in in that game last year. So, you know, anything can happen, John, in this game of college football, as we've learned this past weekend yeah, just over the years.
1: Yeah, why don't we start with that? Uh, Quite the shakeup up at the top. Uh, Start with, of course, Oklahoma losing to Iowa State in Norman. I watched the game on an airplane, uh, thank goodness for JetBlue, uh, live at 30,000 feet, and Mm -hmm. it sure did make the plane ride go fast because it was just great theater. Uh, Not only was it an epic upset of the number three team in the nation, Oklahoma, on their home field, but it was an exciting fourth quarter. Back and forth, teams were scoring uh, Iowa State earned it. What else can you say? The Cyclones. It was just very impressive, especially given their quarterback, who I think, if I heard, saw this correctly, played both ways, I believe.
4: I, I don't know if he played both ways, but I heard it was his, his first start. Because Correct. he was the backup. Yeah, exactly. so that, if, that was incredible to be at a top-rated team, Oklahoma. I don't know when the last time they've won in Norman. It, it has to be decades, John.
1: For them to put up
4: 38 points, I mean, that's just not look.
1: Correct. Correct. They were just uh, basically unstoppable. And, yeah, the quarterback just put on a show. And uh, it was just remarkable to watch. And Oklahoma just couldn't stop them. There is no other way to say it. Uh, You know, Oklahoma was scoring some points. But they just simply... uh, you know, couldn't score enough. I mean, I mean Iowa State just flat-out outscored them, including in the fourth quarter when, of course, it really mattered. And, uh, and boy, you could just see it coming. You know, so often in upsets like this, you just kind of think that, you know, at some point the Oklahoma, the favorite, is going to get it together, especially with Baker Mayfield, a quarterback. But it just never happened, and and you weren't necessarily – Expecting them to stop Iowa State, even when when they tied them with uh, you know midway in the fourth quarter, it was you know Oklahoma went down and scored and it was a tie game. But then Iowa State come right down the field the way they've been doing most of the day. Yeah,
4: John, when you when you watched that game, I I just saw some highlights really. But the quarterback made a fantastic throw to the left side of the end zone for the touchdown, and yes. then. And when you saw Oklahoma try try to come back, it was a third down play. He dropped the ball, was near the first down. But as soon as that ball was in the air on the fourth down scramble, and I saw it high in the air, I said, that's not going to be completed. And Iowa State finished off the Sooners. And I think it was really what you might say a typical Big 12 type of game where, a lot of points, not much defense, and and I think I'd read or heard somebody said that, that Oklahoma had a defense that had improved, but I wasn't buying it until I saw it on the field, and I, it didn't happen. So, uh, you know, when you can't stop other teams and you're in the top, top ten, you're getting their best shot every week. It's very difficult every week to be on your game offensively, you know, being so sharp, and, I mean,
1: it's hard to score 50 every week. Correct. It sure is. And, uh, yeah, and it was just amazing to see. I mean, Oklahoma, you know, especially in light of uh, going into Columbus a few weeks ago and uh, beating Ohio State, you just thought, okay, this team has that championship look, but not to be. And then another team that was uh, supposedly would have had that championship look, Losing again on their home turf was Michigan losing to arch-arch rival Michigan State in uh, a much lower-scored game and a classic Big Ten slugfest.
4: Yeah, I think Michigan, John, they still have yet to reach the talent level of some of the teams across the country, and offensively, they have their ups and downs, and Michigan State is not ready to give up that that throne of being one of the, you know, maybe the better team in the state. So they play tough usually uh, against the Wolverines, and they were able to hold on, and, and Michigan couldn't score. They couldn't score enough. I mean, that's the essence of that, that team right now. Michigan, they're just not that good offensively.
1: They're not. They're playing their second string quarterback, John O'Corn, I believe it is, and Wilton Spate, their first string quarterback, it appears, is now out for the year. And, uh, So, yeah, but nonetheless, with all that said, and I agree with everything you said, it's still a shocker. You know, Michigan State, who's been a very high-quality program in recent years, had a really bad year last year. And uh, other than the rivalry aspect, there was no reason to expect Michigan State was going to go into Ann Armour and win this game. But that's exactly what they did. And that is a bitter rivalry, I'll tell you. And they kept making constant references, and I remember it to a Michigan player a few years back, uh, comparing Michigan State to, a quote, a little brother. So that seems to be Michigan State's uh, battle cry. Um, so, uh, you know, ever since then, under Coach Mark D'Antonio, they've uh, pretty much dominated the series, actually.
4: Yeah, I mean, John, it's one thing to make those comments when you have the talent, but when you're in Michigan, you're you're teetering on, uh, you know, winning games, I, I just kind of lay low and, and just play the ball game and
1: see what happens. Right. No doubt about it. Um, by the way, I'm just getting a breaking news alert, Odell Beckham to undergo surgery on a fractured ankle, and uh Wow. I was saying earlier in the show, AP, that two of the faces of the NFL went down yesterday. With OBJ, this is now confirmed that the injury is as bad as it appeared. Fractured ankle and J.J. Watt out last night for what certainly appears to be for the season. Um, Geez, you never know, right? Especially in the sport of football. uh, But again, kind of sad to see two of literally the faces of the league go down within a couple of hours each other for what I assume to be the rest of the season.
4: Yeah, you feel for them, John, because you know football is a short-lived career, and these outstanding athletes, they train their entire life. And when they have an injury, it sets them back, of course. And, and mentally, I think it's more debilitating than physically, actually, to, to try to make those comebacks when they have a serious injury.
1: Yes. And, you know, J.J. Watt uh, was was devastated. There's no other way to say it, given the emotion and all his work after the hurricane. Uh, And he sent out a tweet this morning that uh, showed his devastation. And Odell Beckham Jr., he, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a player as emotional as him after an injury on the field. Uh, It was just incredible to watch. But Uh, and he was of course looking to become the highest played player in the game above quarterback so this is going to uh, throw a wrench into that that's for sure yeah john i mean jj what
4: what a pass rusher what a what a ball player i mean he's just a pleasure to watch him compete every week and you just feel so badly for him and well any of those players to get hurt i just I think it's kind of, it's easy to just kind of be flippant and say, oh, he's hurt, to be back next year. It it's, uh, really
1: plays on your mind, and, you know, just, it takes a lot to make those comebacks. It does, and J.J. Watt's injury history is now, has to border on alarming. They showed a graphic last night, and it was, you know, it looks like four or five different injuries in the last, in less than the past two years. So, you know, there was the back. I think he had a broken hand at one point, a couple of other things, and uh, wow! At some point, you and he, I'm sure, have to wonder—you uh, know—will he be the same player again? Because he's had a lot the past couple of years, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, John. Just, just don't know, and so he, right? He kind of has it, you know. Hey,
1: digest this, this moment. Exactly, exactly. Well, AP, we took a little diversion there from. Uh, college football but I want to get in that breaking news and uh, but we still have a lot more college football to get to so why don't we do so on the other side
0: follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's Voice America TRN
2: on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america
0: you're listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net
1: now back to the show Voice of America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call in number is 1 888 346 9144, or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call in expert, AP Studham of Bama Magazine. And AP, uh, have a lot more college football to get back to, and. Uh, in the SEC front, of which you're so familiar, uh, had an interesting game with LSU holding on to beat the Florida Gators. Those two have certainly had a rivalry, but it's been upped a little bit in recent years. And uh, a week after losing to Troy in Baton Rouge, uh, LSU picks picks itself up, goes into the, the swamp, and beats the Gators. So pretty uh, pretty big date. Day for uh, Ed Orgeron, the coach of LSU. Yeah, John, I mean, there was almost a total collapse down
4: there when they lost to Troy, especially on homecoming. <clears throat> and The nature of the defeat was devastating because there was no trickeration. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the game, Troy just ran the football at him. The running back had a career high of 191 yards. So that shouldn't happen to LSU on homecoming or any any other day. On the LSU football schedule, but they came back to play Florida, who, who was once again, struggling with offense. So they picked the perfect opponent. And, and as you described, there is a rivalry that has developed with Florida and LSU. I think LSU has to play them a couple of times now in Gainesville because of that fiasco last year where they had the weather that delayed the game and then LSU stood firm that they you know, were probably not going to play in Gainesville and, no matter what. And in-game ended up being played in Baton Rouge. So But Ed Ogeron, he rallied the troops and he got the win, eked out that win, one point, missed extra point by the Gators. So, LSU, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season, but, uh, you know, they have two good coordinators. The offense
1: has really been struggling, but let's see what happens the rest of the year. Yeah, well, certainly a lot of harsh feelings after uh, that debacle of last year with the weather and where are they going to play the game and all that. So these two teams and schools don't like each other. A lot of, uh, again, residue left after that situation. And uh, another great game, speaking of the state of Florida, and I watched this as well, uh, especially the ending, Miami-Florida State. Uh, Great ending where Florida State went down the field, took the lead, looked like they had it won. And then Miami, to their credit, went right down the field and uh, scored at the end on just a spectacular game-ending drive. And uh, I think it was the first time they've ever beaten Jimbo Fisher, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Yeah, I think that's right, John. I was watching the game with curiosity because the quarterback from Miami, he played high school football in Mobile, so I was interested to see how he would perform and. John, didn't you think was interesting at the end of the game where Mark Rick he was encouraging the quarterback to run one more play, I think maybe eleven seconds, but it was Correct. an intelligent call because it was on that they threw it to the end zone. But I mean that that could that could have been an interceptive, it was a perfect throw.
1: It was a gutsy call, you know, he was really uh uh pushing the clock to the limit and uh you know, certainly give him uh a lot of credit uh, for going for it, you know I, I I always love a coach who goes for it. Mark Richt certainly did that on Saturday. It paid off and uh, you know I'd think many 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 coaches would have uh, settled for the field goal and going into overtime, but you know especially on the road, he did the right thing. he went for it and again he was really playing with fire. Uh, there was just a couple of seconds left. And uh, he got in right under the wire, so good for him. I thought it was just great theater, to say the least.
4: Yeah, John, and the quarterback actually struggled uh, parts of the game, so he stayed strong with his uh, you know attitude and ended up making that uh, game-winning touchdown throw. So hats off to him as well, John. Just want to backtrack one one moment. We had word come in, Mika Fitzpatrick. He was named the Southeastern Conference defensive player of the week for his performance against Texas A&M. Just want to let the folks know. Really? Wow. Great stuff. Yeah, that was, um, yeah that, was a, that was a third of his career, I believe. Third time he's been the, the weekly defensive player of the, of the week for the conference.
1: Yeah, he's a great player, no doubt about it. One of so many at, at Alabama. And By the way, when I see Alabama, I just am uh, amazed. at like Every time I look up, it just seems like there's a different running back peeling off a 75-yard run. It's just remarkable to me. Do you, do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, you, I mean, you cover them. You're, you're deeply involved. But, uh, you know, it just seems like their stable of running backs is so deep. You know, it happened last year in the college football playoff against Washington when, you know, that running back come out of nowhere and just like dominated the game. And it was just crazy. Yeah, yeah, Bo Scarborough, big running back, six six
4: foot two, right. two hundred thirty pounds. John, they've been fortunate this year to play six six running backs. It's like the old wishbone days almost. Uh, that's I don't think I've seen a team
1: in quite a while play six running backs. Right, right. Uh, if ever, I mean, that's just an astounding figure. There's no other way to say it. Um, but you know, AP, we were talking about, uh, of course. Mark Richt, and he is the former coach, obviously at Georgia, and Georgia is suddenly what with the shakeup and Oklahoma losing, Georgia suddenly uh, number four in the country in most polls. Therefore, if the college football playoff were chosen today, they'd be going. So they're just uh, they're looking great with that you know dual monster of running backs, uh, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. They beat Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt 45-14 on Saturday. And, uh, and they have that freshman quarterback who's playing great. So they, they just are, have really inserted themselves big time into the national picture.
4: Yeah, John, they're they're waiting to uh, play Florida. I think it's like the end of the month. And, uh, you know, they, they just have it rolling. I think defensively they're playing much better. And, of course, their quarterback play has improved with that young young quarterback. So they're in a good position. They play Missouri they they play um Missouri this Saturday night at Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia. And of course Missouri, their defense is porous right now and so Georgia should have another win and then will lead up to that Florida game. They'll have a week off and then they'll play Florida in Jacksonville and and Florida's not scoring. So I think Georgia, you know, they play South Carolina at home. But they have that game against Auburn. November 11th, and John, I've been telling everybody all year long since day one that Auburn is a team that can really improve because they play excellent defense. They have an outstanding All-American kicker, Daniel Carlson, and Jarrett Stead, and people were really kind of questioning him some, but as I told you many times, I saw him when he was a freshman. He's a very good quarterback, talented, can throw the football. It just took them a while to get in sync. But his receivers and the offense, you know, you know, they have two excellent running backs. They led the conference in running last year, so there was only one way for that offense to uh, go up. You know, they were 14th in passing, so you know that wasn't going to be for long this year with Jarrett Stedham. So, but Georgia, they're playing very good, and I mean, that, that's going to be a, quite a finish with uh, Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia uh, and the SEC. I think the, the rest of the league is not playing very well. I don't think they're that strong this year, but they do have, I think, Auburn, Georgia, and uh, Alabama, and then Kentucky. But John, that's a surprise team. They could be undefeated. They lost to the Florida by a point at home. Right, right.
1: Yes, uh, Kentucky is. You know, clearly their program's just improving year by year. Uh, they're pulling a couple, what I'll call, minor upsets along the way. Haven't had quite that breakthrough uh, victory. That they've been looking for, though, but they seem like they're on the verge. Yeah, I think, like I say, if they they put a thumping on Florida,
4: then they'll get everybody's attention. I believe. You know, they went to Notre Dame. uh I think that's their only loss Notre Dame, right? That one point loss at uh, South Bend. So, you know, Georgia survived, and they seem to get better every week. I mean, they. 41 to nothing at Knoxville. I mean, that, those those types of scores don't happen
1: in the history of that rivalry. Correct. Correct. No doubt about it. Um, you know, another great game on Saturday, close game, was uh, TCU holding on to beat West Virginia, who had uh, beat them, beaten them up pretty bad last year. They didn't forget. And TCU is suddenly uh, number six in the nation, or thereabouts, and uh, looking pretty good, I'd say. They're, uh, you know, they look like a team to contend with. They've been a great program for the last number of years, and it looks like they're back in the national picture, big time.
4: Yeah, John. They have to go to Kansas State uh, this weekend. Kansas is at home. I at Iowa State. Texas is a home game. Have to go to Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Before they host Baylor, uh, the last game of the year. But yeah, they you know they know how to win football games. Their their football coach has been very good for a number of years. So Texas Tech, I think, is probably the the holdout for the
1: Big Twelve to be part of the college football playoff. Correct, correct. Um, well, again, the college football season is just in full swing. Uh, we've talked a lot about the change at the top. Uh, can't let it go without mentioning Penn State. They had what I would call just a solid workmanlike victory over Northwestern in Evanston on Saturday. Uh, first team really all year to clamp down on Saquon Barkley. Uh, it did hold him under a hundred yards, but he had about a fifty-yard or so run in the second half after doing really next to nothing in the first half and. Uh, you know, but the Nittany Lions, you know, you got to win games like that. They're not always easy. Northwestern, again, a quality program. Uh, but, you know, uh, Penn State handled them, uh, you know, not easily, but, you know, in simply the fashion that a top team has to handle a team like Northwestern. 31-7 was the final.
4: Yeah, John, absolutely. You want to win those games and get on the plane and get back to, to uh, Pennsylvania before anybody gets hurt, right? And they did. That's it. And now they they have the the perfect week off. Yep. Because the next three weeks will tell the tale for the this year's edition of Penn State, Michigan at home, at Ohio State, at Michigan State. That's a that's a rough three weeks.
1: It sure is. They're going to have to uh, make the best of the bye week. Fourteen days off, but uh, hosting Michigan and what is sure to be a whiteout, and by many accounts, the game of the year. Uh, Certainly at Beaver Stadium. So it's going to be fun. And AP, hard to believe, we're at the end of uh, our third segment. Uh, But why don't we take our break now and a few more things to get to on the other side.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash
0: Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at
1: Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, it's all week long, but it's really today, which is simply the baseball playoffs. There's Nothing like October baseball. It's off to a great start. Uh, watching literally in the background, Red Sox, Astros, one-to-one in the top of the second. Raining here in Boston, so I can't help but wonder how this is all going to unfold. It's supposed to rain throughout the afternoon, uh, not to mention maybe in New York this evening might have some rain issues, but great stuff, to say the least, and uh so Cubs back in Wrigley Field following that Nationals fabulous comeback the other day. So interesting stuff to say the least. And uh, so, yeah, th- this is one of the best sports week of the year, I believe, uh, because of the baseball playoffs on top of the usual college and NFL, not to mention hockey's underway and basketball ex- ex- exhibition season's underway. Uh it's always a tough one, AP. It's between this week or month uh, and April when you have playoffs in NBA and NHL uh, as to what the best sports month of the year is. Uh, put it this way. When it's October, I think it's October. But when it's April, I think it's April. <laughs> Live in the moment, right? <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. yeah, that sums it up, John. Yeah, in October – you're dancing around the the the, the TV dial and your channel changer, and you're switching baseball, football, start basketball. It just yeah, it's amazing to, to that month, and it it just depends on you know where your heart lies. But uh, yeah, it's always fun. October, I, I like that month of October. It's it's really good for sports. It's really great for sports.
1: Oh, it's great. Well, just as an example, you know, Saturday evening. Um, Sitting here, you know, sitting at home and, uh, you know, I'm watching Miami's comeback against Florida State. Then I'm switching over to see the Nationals finally wake up against the Cubs and Bryce Harper and Ryan Zimmerman's Titanic home runs. Uh, You know, then flipping right back over to the Michigan, Michigan State game and on and on and on. It's just... uh, it's just fabulous. I mean, you know, all all on the heels of having watched on a plane, uh, you know, Ohio the Iowa State win over Oklahoma, you know, and then yesterday watching NFL all day, and you know, no sooner do I finish watching, uh, you know, watching the one o'clock games on Red Zone, and then I'm switching over to watch the Red Sox finally explode against the Astros. And I switch over to Aaron Rodgers leading that fabulous comeback against the Cowboys. And then I flip over and uh, the Yankees and Indians are engaged in just a classic one-nothing nail-biter. So it is pretty tough to beat, you know. And And let's just say this. I wasn't alone. I'm sure there were millions doing exactly what I was doing. And it's really... Nothing like it. And, you know, again, the stakes are high. That's what's great. And, of course, when you get to April, the stakes are high in the NBA and NHL playoffs. So great stuff. But, you know, Ken couldn't have had much of a better weekend. Uh, And what's great about this particular week within this month is just the sheer volume. Uh, You know, again, like April, where you just sheer volume, four games a day, as we have today in baseball playoffs. Uh, plus an NFL game tonight. The Mitchell Trubitsky era kicks off in Chicago. Uh, but, yeah, for, again, it's just sheer volume. Saturday and Sunday it was literally tough to keep up, uh, if not impossible. And I do a lot of DVRing to make sure I can go back for anything I missed. And uh, so, yeah, just nothing like it, AP. I'll tell you, it's really fun. And, and you know, baseball playoffs are just the level of the postseason in baseball above the regular season is so gigantic. Like it goes from, you know, for me personally, you know, I enjoy watching it, but you know, 162 games, tough to get overly excited on any one game, unless you're in a September pennant race. But then when you get to October, it's can't miss. So I I, I love that, you know, difference to say the least. Yeah, there's a difference watching the
4: baseball in October John. I mean, every pitch, and every swing, you're on the edge of your seat, and right. uh, you know you're approaching. You're approaching the, uh, the the top of the lineup. You know if they don't make they don't score the runs, and you're thinking, well, can that bottom of the lineup do anything to put the team ahead? Because that, that's what I was always watching for as a kid, you know. Can the one through four batters go ahead, and then you're saying, oh, gee, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it out, you know, the ninth batter. I mean, could he get a hit, or can they put a pitch hitter in, and all the all strategy that's involved in the later innings of the game.
1: Strategy is the name of the game, that's for sure. That's what it's all about. And uh, yeah, uh, again, um, you know, whether it's Bryce Harper, you know, hitting that just gargantuan home run, one of those rare moments that, you know, uh, the moment it touched his bat, uh, it went off his bat. It was just obvious it was a home run again compared with last night where it was just one nothing and Araldis Chapman throwing the ball 100 miles per hour plus. Every, you know, everybody hanging on every pitch. Uh, lots of different kinds of drama. So that was certainly a great one, to put it mildly.
4: Oh, yeah. And then the, the Yankees, I mean, when they're always in the playoffs, people are going to tune in across the country. You know, the Red Sox and the Cubs from Chicago, the Dodgers from Los Angeles. I mean, the television executives, they must be just loving every minute right now.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, again, just going to be like this all week, but, you know, obviously the games start to, uh, the number of games start to reduce and then we go from there, but it's really, uh, you know, special stuff to say the least. And, uh, yeah, uh, especially, you know, being where I'm at up here in Boston, Uh, The start of that game yesterday was really, really distressing when the Astros, who have started fast in every game, started fast yesterday in Fenway. And the fans were booing them in the top of the first. And you basically just thought, that's it. Uh, You know, this season's over. And uh, it looked and felt like they were going to be swept two years in a row uh, in the first round uh but then you know Mookie Betts makes that catch to prevent a three-run homer and what would have been a six six nothing lead or 6-1 at least and uh and boom it just gave the Red Sox bats just enough time to get going and not a, not unlike what happened with the Nationals where the pitching for the Nationals kept the Cubs within distance and finally the bats woke up late in the game so it's great there's really just uh you know nothing like it, and the you know, uh, the city of Boston was like fired up this morning, to say the least.
4: Yeah, John. I, I always like to watch the baseball. You know, the, when the Red Sox, I mean, that was the one we always grew up with. Red Sox and the Yankees, and but you know, the Dodgers was always a team you like to see playing the get in the playoffs as well. But when you're looking across this landscape here, do you do you have somebody, John? Do you think's gonna you know, overwhelming favorite to win this World Series down the road here? Is there somebody that you feel that can, you know, take command
1: of these baseball playoffs or is it just up in the air for you? Well, I would have thought the Cleveland Indians, um, and I still think them because, you know, they played a great game last night, even though they lost to prevent them from sweeping right. the Yankees. But, you know, I think them and the Dodgers would be a great World Series. Uh, I think the Cubs and the Dodgers would be a great NLCS. But, yeah, I see, you know, the Cleveland Indians as being so far the team of the year. what with that 20-plus game winning streak that they just had, and uh, so, yeah, that's, that's who I see in Terry Francona. So we shall see, but it's going to be fun, AP, and hard to believe we're at the end of our show already, but glad we did squeeze in a little baseball talk, too.
4: Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it, John. Yeah, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, as always, AP, and... As always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to
0: All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel, and we'll talk sports again next week.